Welcome to the show. It's a little bit of a different episode today because uh, I'm not going to be talking to a comedian who I know. I'm going to be talking to Ted Allen, host of Chopped, who I don't really know that well. I've met him a couple of times, but it was a great conversation. I contacted him on Twitter and I said, hey, you want to be on the Todd Berry podcast? And he said he'd be delighted to. He actually said delighted. So that's nice when someone's enthusiastic and he's a great guest. We talked about food and food quirks and dining out and you'll hear what we talked about. Let me just run by some quick cities I'll be doing shows in. You can look the dates up if you like at toddberry.com. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Greensboro, North Carolina, Copenhagen, Oslo, Prague, Berlin, New York City, Springfield, Missouri, San Francisco, and then two cities in Hawaii, Honolulu and Kaihai, which I might be saying correctly. Anyway, we'll be back with Ted Allen. Hey, Ted. Welcome. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good. How you doing? This is a little different for me because usually I interview comedians who I've known a while and I kind of insult them for an hour and then they go home. Oh. But I don't know you that well, barely at all. So I'm going to be nice to you. I, I Berate away, man. <laughs> I, 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 that sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> um, now, I, uh, I've met you twice. I don't know if you remember either of the times I've met you. I don't know that I do either. Okay. <laughs> well, I do. And... Uh, First time I met you, I was opening for Sarah Silverman at Caroline's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you came up to me and you complimented me. And I was like, oh, my, that's, that's cool. I there's You know, it's uh, funny is just not something everybody can do. What's that? Funny. Being oh, okay. funny. <laughs> I thought, I and, thought uh, you meant compliments. Oh, well, that too. But, I mean, it's such a it's such a gift. And do you ever worry that it's going to just go away? Oh, I, I'm, it's my, one of my biggest nightmares. Sorry to bring it up. No, no, no. It's, I, I like, I like to, uh, yeah, because you just, you feel like everyone kind of loses it after a while. I mean, you just like got us knowing when to quit, but you're not going to want to quit. And then you're just going to be bad and old. Well, oh, fortunately, man. comedy is really lucrative, <laughs> as are podcasts, I understand. Uh, yes, for some people. Uh, but what, um, Oh, yeah, and the second time was backstage at a new pornographer's concert. Yes, one of my very favorite bands. Yeah, I, we have that. In, you're sort of friendly with them? I am. I th um, through the magic of Twitter, uh -huh. um, which has enabled me to get in touch with a number of musicians, I just befriended Elliot Easton of The Cars. Oh, really? Yesterday. Okay. I found a really great article about him and his technique and the way Roy, Roy Thomas Baker, I believe, was the pr producer of The Cars, the way they crafted their songs and put them together. And it was just a, a very erudite, lengthy piece about the magic of The Cars, which is a band that I just really still love. And um, I tweeted that out, and eventually he saw that I had done so. And so now we're buds. But yeah, I'm friends particularly with Joe Siders, who's the drummer. Right, of the, he's the of new the, drummer, or the, the newish the, drummer, I guess. Yes, of the New Pornographers, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, they're great. Are you like an indie rock guy from way back? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the cars was not all that indie, but they were definitely smart and quirky right. and really had a signature sound. Uh-huh. Um, I like bands that write inter- uh, interesting lyrics, um, although Shooby Doo, I don't suppose, is that <laughs> inter- interesting writing-wise. But um, yeah, I, Costello? I, a little bit. Oh, really? It's funny. It's quirky the way you... I know he's good. Yeah. Uh, he's ne- For some reason, hasn't been an enormous draw for me, but I, especially after I moved to New York, I had an epiphany a couple of years ago when one of our producers came to set wearing a Rolling Stones hat, a Rolling Stones t-shirt, uh-huh. and a Rolling Stones bomber jacket, and because she had just seen the Rolling Stones like a 10-minute walk from my house, and I didn't see right. them, and I thought, that's stupid. I love rock and roll. I live in a city where every band plays yeah so i go to concerts all the time now oh you do yes and the only downside to being a a rock fan in new york they're gonna come to your town but you're gonna pay for it because it's competitive and also i find that you um i find that i can't i don't find out about shows till after they're sold out sometimes when i lived in florida you heard about and blondie was coming down there you knew nine months in advance and you Mm -hmm. were on it but yeah here sometimes i just oh wow i missed that one i guess uh i'm yeah i missed actually thought about going to see Paul McCartney who played at the Barclays Center and uh-huh. then then I thought oh maybe not and then I thought wait a second he's the only remaining person that can play Beatles songs right. you know the, I mean Ringo could do it I guess um, next time I won't miss it I did see The Who a couple years ago oh, I, I actually did a festival with them in San Francisco no kidding were they yeah. cool I didn't yeah, they were cool to watch. I didn't like. I wasn't running in the same circles. You guys weren't hanging. No, we weren't at the food court, or the backstage hospitality suite. Or anything. you weren't sparking it up with Daltrey. <laughs> where'd you see them at? I saw the Who at one of my favorite places in New York to see shows, which is Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. Okay, it's uh, an outdoor venue that only holds about fifteen, eighteen thousand people. Uh, so the sight lines are great. The sound is great. I like the sound in outdoor arenas better. Uh-huh. Typically, there's nothing for it to echo off of. Um, and I've seen several bands. I just saw David Byrne there, too. Amazing. Oh, I saw the Talking Heads in college at University of Florida. Uh-huh. It was just one of those things where I didn't realize how cool certain things about college were. They were just like, and we have a free show kind of, but it's a Talking Heads. Like, it's, it's free, and it's a Talking <laughs> Heads. And, uh, yeah, and that was outdoor at their band show. But, uh, so um, what did you, uh, you do today so far? Virtually nothing. Um, I had a couple cups of coffee, French roast, strong, a little sugar. Do you make it yourself? I did. Well, you know, with the machine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. yeah. I mean, but. Well, I yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did not grow the beans. Um, sometimes I eat breakfast. I usually just have kind of an early lunch. Really? Yeah. Where did you have lunch yet? Or no? I guess not. No, I haven't, and I'm hungry. I ate at Five Guys Burger today. For lunch? Yeah, I did. And they gave me a double instead of a single, which is one of those, I guess, happy accidents. But, Sweet. But did, did you point it out to them? No, because I may have paid for it. I was If I knew that they over... But also at that point, I'm not going to hand back a burger that they're going to sell to someone else. Although, oh. you never know in this town. I've never been to uh, Five Guys. Do you recommend it? I do. I have, I have the burger with the uh, <laughs> just jalapenos and mustard and ketchup. Okay, that's sort of an unusual order. Is it? But you know, How, what would you go burger? You be you. Um, I like um, I like onions, and this is controversial. Oh, I like New York. onions too. Uh, I like onions, ketchup, and mustard. Mm-hmm. And uh, New Yorkers hate ketchup. I've discovered. 
Really? On hot dogs, I think there's a little snobbery about ketchup. Absolutely. Mustard only in New York. Yeah. And if you tell people that you like ketchup and mustard, they will mock you. Yeah, they think you're, uh, they're like, oh, hey, white trash. Yeah, this has happened on my own set <laughs> with my own cast members. Oh, really? Yeah, they, I, they mocked me. I don't care. I do it on, no, that's my burger, man. Back and off. And they're eating like stir-fried gummy bears or something. With, <laughs> exactly. With they're eating cheeks. People ask all the time uh, on Chopped why I don't get to taste the food, and they're sad for me because I don't get to taste the food. If you think about it, four dishes made in 20 minutes uh-huh. uh, of necessity have to sit around for a while before they get tasted. Right. Especially the fourth one. And if it's made with pickled pig lips, why would I really want to eat it? Right. It's cold pickled pig, pig lips spontaneously combined with three other things like Doritos and Pepsi. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks. I'll go to catering. <laughs> it's really good. I had this idea. I don't know if anyone's ever done a sketch about Chopped where the, the ingredients are just like, uh, and the ingredients are ground beef, ketchup, mustard, just real obvious things. Is that, that'd that be hilarious. I think that, could, I think that would be hilarious. Um, you know, the weird thing is that when we do give people a basket that's kind of like a gift from heaven, uh-huh. like a sirloin steak, sweet potatoes, right. you know, Dijon mustard, just nice things, they always mess it up. It seems like they need to have you know, edible hairspray right. in the basket or they aren't, they don't rise to the challenge. But the, isn't it, the big part of it is transforming it, which like I watch, I go, that's where I would, not that I know how to cook at all, but I'd be like, that's where I'd really have trouble because I'd be like, I'll just stack those things on top of each <laughs> other and I'll throw it in the oven. We're done. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting exercise. I think uh, once in a while somebody really uh, – people think the baskets are random, and they're, they're not, actually. Every basket has an idea behind it. Uh-huh. Like if we give you lavash flatbread and silken tofu and tomatillos, maybe we're looking for some kind of a play on pizza. I don't know. Right. Um, once in a great while someone figures out the riddle – Normally, it's I think you know you're just running on instinct because um, 20 minutes is not enough time for me to make a ham sandwich. Right? Do they have n- those extra ingredients that they pull from the pantry? Are those always the same, or do those get altered? They are always the same unless we're doing a themed episode or something. Like um, I'll try to think of an example, but um, we we recently shot an episode where the theme was icy, uh, and uh-huh. we wanted people to make something icy or frozen right uh another was a episode where we you had to produce a cake you had to bake a cake which means we lengthened the round because you can't right it's hard enough to bake a cake within an hour let alone within you can't in 20 minutes uh so when that in in the in a case like that we will add things to the pantry that make sense Mm -hmm. for whatever that theme is i suppose if we did a say a mexican theme we'd put all kinds of chilies and extra tortillas and okay Whatnot. But for the most part, the pantry is just a pretty well-stocked, ordinary pantry. Is it someone's job? Is there a full-time basket creator on the show? Or? There, that's a very good question, and it's an important question. Uh, in fact, there are, there's Sarah Hormy runs the culinary department and has at least two people working for her. Um, those ingredients can't be, say, for example, spoiled. Right. <laughs> so everything has to be kept fresh. Um, we don't want to repeat ourselves too much. There's actually considerable argument over what goes into the basket. Uh, fortunately, I'm not involved with it. Um, but once in a while, something will, oh, this is germane to you. What We did an episode that was supposed to be, that had comedians, and the ingredients were supposed to correspondingly be funny. Right. And someone thought it was a good idea to put in a lollipop that looked like a toilet, 
a uh-huh. two-dimensional depiction of a toilet. Uh-huh. And the toilet wasn't empty. Oh. It had candy products in it. Okay. And I said, that was one of the rare instances where I said, we're not using that ingredient. Oh, do you, oh so you can you do that sometimes. I don't really have technical authority yeah. like that, but <laughs> it, I just didn't want us discussing the merits of the flavors of a toilet pop. Right. So I said, we got to put something else in. We can't do that. That's embarrassing. That's degrading. That's that's not delicious. That's gross sounding. It's not all that funny. It's juvenile. So the uh, so uh, some time goes by. There's some consternation, and then I I walk into the, the the adjacent room where the culinary team was feverishly with wet paper towels trying to clean out the oh, toilet. God. So it was just a <laughs> it's, clean it's toilet. Just a clean toilet. <laughs> and I d- and I, I don't do this kind of stuff much, but I tapped my watch and I said, I got all day. <laughs> like you're just gonna wait for that and i was right about that one i think but. yeah i think because then it would overshadow every you just like what'd you do with the uh candied shit part of the uh, <laughs> and discuss- plus it's nothing but sugar you know right so uh anyway i mean we are we are a very happy family actually it's a production that's had virtually all the same camera operators come back every uh-huh. every shoot um we've been together we've been doing this for more than 10 years right and um, we're incredibly fortunate, obviously. And I'm totally aware how lucky we are to have a show that stays on. Yeah, that's um, what is it? How many episodes have you done? It's in the 700 range. Oh my god! It's a lot. Um, so, so it's just—is it? Did you say it's just the one person who comes out the basket, or there's three people? Well, there, there, there are three people on set supervising the food, uh-huh. um, and make and swapping out whatever needs to be swapped out, and replacing whatever got consumed in the previous round. Um, there may be even more people involved in picking the baskets. Uh-huh. I don't think Sarah does that on her own. I think because it's a it, that's a content related uh, issue to be decided. So I think our producers Vivian Sorensen and and the creator of the show Linda Lee. I think they they get involved in that. Okay. Um, I saw the pizza episode the other day. I think that's one of the later epi- latest episodes. Where um, it was three different pizzas they made. It was all pizza chefs. D- is that the one where somebody? Threw a, p- a piece of pizza in the blender and made a sauce out of it. Uh, uh gosh. Good. Sounds like a bad idea, but I remember it going over well. I uh, yeah. This was the one where there was all strictly pizza chefs, and then everything had to be a pizza. But I did notice on this episode there was more more camaraderie amongst the chefs than usual. There was no like because sometimes I feel like it's amped up. The cockiness is amped up a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, uh, we encourage yeah. that. Uh, you, you, the funny thing is that at the beginning, I think we thought that chefs would sabotage one another uh-huh. and would shit talk one another. Yeah. And the thing is, there's a there's a real camaraderie among people in kitchens, and it's just an, uh, antithetical to their to their ethos about the the life of the kitchen. They 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 support each other. They work together. They um, they might compete for sexy jobs in the kitchen, but um, they don't. They're not by nature competitive or snarky. It took Alton Brown to invent a show where they were forced to sabotage one another, Cutthroat <laughs> Kitchen, which had a, had a nice run. Um, and it, it, it just goes to show you what a genius Alton is. Right. Uh, but on our show, we we try to get them to do that, and they, it, it doesn't really work. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like, oh, that's not your heart's not into. It. You're just trying to slam the other chef just to be cocky. You're just a nice person, just who wants to cook the. But I did see someone on your show recently who uh, I think they said the other chef. What the other chef made sucked. Like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's definitely gold in our edit yeah, suite. Yeah, it's true. We're, I imagine that is good television. Yeah, you say that, it's going to be in. <laughs> Have you ever had a contestant refuse to use one of the ingredients? 
Well, I mean, we certainly have, I mean, they don't get to refuse to use an ingredient. You can choose not to. More, I mean, they complain a little bit. Uh-huh. But I think by now people know what the game is and they know what – and if you don't, if you just sort of like prepare each ingredient and put it separately on the plate, you haven't done the task of making these things commingle right. in, a, in a unified, harmonious uh, dish, and that's the goal. Uh, more often than not, people simply forget an ingredient because it was yeah, behind them on the stove or um, – uh, the most the most, uh, the most famous – um, failure, I would say, on Chopped <laughs> has been a guy who cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked and then succeeded in putting nothing on his plates except for three edamame on one plate. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, clearly he just kind of froze. Yeah. Um, we brought him back uh, a couple years later, and he did fine. Oh, I don't, that was nice of you. You know, I mean, we felt bad for him. Made for good TV. Yeah. <laughs> so he just literally, he just couldn't get it together, like, couldn't get the sauce cooked on time and everything. I mean, sometimes I I think people even when they hear me counting down, you know, ten, nine, eight, they they just don't seem to believe right. that we're not going to let them plate after I'm done counting. But we're not going to let you. <laughs> but how often does it? Someone not just does anyone just keep going? Like how often? I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen someone get disqualified immediately because they got they waited too long. Uh, they, they almost always stop when we tell them to stop right. we tell them hands up. They have to put their right. hands up. And, um, I think they, they get it once in a while. Someone will try a fast one, try to throw that last <laughs> bean onto the plate. Uh, and if they do that after time is called, we'll take it off of the plate. Okay. We're quite strict. I think, you know, it's funny. People seem to dist- people seem to think that television is rigged. Right. Right. Um, and and it's hard to change their minds. We, uh, our show is scrupulously, strictly honest. Mm-hmm. The, the thirty minutes is exactly thirty minutes. Twenty minutes is exactly twenty. Okay. We don't stretch it out for people. We don't favor somebody who's cute and funny, or charming. You can be a jerk and win chopped if your food is the tastiest. And it, and that is by on the one hand a constriction. On the other hand, it's our salvation. Because you, you, if you base your decision on anything besides what's on the plate, that's fake. And sooner or later, the viewers are going to smell it. Right. And once you go down that road, then you start doing reshoots. And then it's just going to be like, it, it will become obvious that something's up. I, I agree. And I think the fact that we don't do that is also obvious. I think that, and our, our guys are so, uh, and, and women are, are so well trained with the cameras at this point. They know how the game works. If a stake gets dropped on the floor, the director's going to be screaming at one of them, you know, Nastasi, Nastasi, get that steak on the floor, you know. Right. I kind of wish I could. Uh, I've never had the chance to watch the show being directed from the control room uh-huh. for fairly obvious reasons. I'm always on it, the show, uh, and I would love to see that process, uh, but that's impossible because I have to host it. Right. Do you? How far are they actually physically from the? Because I can't tell like whether they're on top of them, like the judges, or like how many feet. Uh, the judges are sitting, sitting at a table that is about 25 feet away from contestant number four. Okay. Uh, and because of that, contestant number four can usually hear what the judges and myself are saying, which could be helpful or could be disastrous. Um, we're speculating about what, first we we spend the whole half hour talking about what we would do and whether we like what they're doing, uh, how I would cook a trout or whatever. Yeah. But I might have a really terrible idea of how to cook a trout, like, a, you know, microwaving it or something. 
<laughs> so it's the, 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 the way to play the game, I think, is to just focus and just blo- block everything else out of your mind. And I, do th- I think most chefs do that. Yeah, they do seem to. Uh, it, it is pretty impressive to watch them see that basket and then go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Totally, and, and and I love it when you when you see the light bulb go on, mm-hmm. and it, that happens sometimes. Um, other times, you just see them. That, look, it's an onion. You know, you got to peel it. You know, you got to chop it. You know, you have to cook it. Sometimes they'll just start doing those sort of rote, obvious tasks as the as the as they hope for an idea to gel. And sometimes one does, and sometimes it doesn't. What um what's going on with that ice cream maker? It seems to cause a lot of trouble. I don't know if people ask you about that, but uh. they do. I, the 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 viewers um, adamantly argue that we need to have two ice cream. Oh, machines. two, okay. Because it always just they seem to screw it. They seem to fuck it up. Yeah, I said that. Wow, we can say that. Yeah, it's a podcast. I, I'm not allowed to say fuck on Food Network. Okay. Well, then this, this is, is ex- very liberating. Yeah, this is so Start exciting. Peppering the conversation with tons of fucks. Um, the ice cream machine only takes about six or seven minutes to make uh, ice cream. It's very fast. As long as you, you have to put at least, I think it's a quart and a half of of ice cream base in the machine for it to work. But as long as you do that, uh, there's plenty of time for two different people to make ice cream within the 30 minute dessert right. round. It also seems like they don't always know how to make the ice cream. There's that. Yes, <laughs> that's certainly the case. And I just feel like having you watch, just try to avoid ice cream. I think that there's merit to that argument. I think also, even once you've made the ice cream from the ice cream machine, it actually wants to sit in the freezer for a little while and kind of firm up right. a, a little better. So it, it, it's it's a technical thing, you know, and if you, obviously, if you leave ice cream sitting out at room temperature, we all know what's going to happen to it. Um, so it is risky. It's I, I have to say, one. I'm not sure viewers understand how unbelievably staggeringly difficult it is to do our 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 challenges they're so hard oh yeah i I get panicked just sort of imagining myself Mm -hmm. and also i'm not a chef so that probably works into it but uh, i'm not one either really although i do cook a lot but um i don't cook quickly but there's some really good chefs from pretty prominent restaurants who have just not done well on that show well if you think about it there are a couple things that that i think make the show interesting one of them is that chefs by necessity are absolute control freaks Mm -hmm. they decide whose basil they want to purchase, whose, whose uh, flour is high enough quality, let alone, obviously, they write the menu, they pick every single dish they, that, that, that they have something. Uh, each dish, every choice they make is an expression of themselves as a craftsperson. And on Chopped, we take away all of the control. You have none. Right. And you have 20 minutes. And you have Doritos. Go. You know, and so it's an interesting, it's amazing to me how many chefs are willing to put themselves through that because it's risky. You know, we've taken away time. We've taken away your control of ingredients. Yeah. Um, and you're being watched by lots of people. And then you walk into your restaurant the next day. Oh, you're the guy, you lost. I saw you lose. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they all seem like, I've never seen anyone on there, obviously, who looks like they, I, everyone's good, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are... Millions of chefs in the country. We need lots and lots of people to feed us, and uh, they uh, don't shrink from a challenge. Um, I mean, we, as I said, we've made something like seven hundred episodes of this thing, and people keep coming. Right. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to our casting department. That's a lot of work finding those people, flying them in. Um, 
How do they find them? I mean, how did? I mean, I imagine it's more. It's not just someone who knows how to cook. It's someone who's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, we hope. Yeah. Uh, although the vast majority, the, it seems like the 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 more interesting a person someone is, the less good of a cook they are. Uh, but chefs are. Uh, really delightful. They're, it's they're, to me, they're kind of like reporters. They're people I enjoy being around because they are. They don't take no for an answer. They're smart. They're determined. They're often funny. Um, they're great to have a beer with, and they're usually willing to do so. Um, they're just a, a rowdy group of people that I enjoy being around a lot. They're pretty uh, temperamental, temperamental, though. Don't they have sort of a reputation for being a bit... Uh... Uh, hard to work for, maybe. Well, I mean, you know, they're all different. Yeah, they're, that's the, true. The the, the it, of course it was the, the old stereotype image was you know, chefs were angry. You know, I mean, the, the the name for the way most kitchens have been run over the years is the brigade system, uh-huh. very much based on a military hierarchical. Mm-hmm. Marcus Samuelson just published a book, uh, the title of which is "Yes, Chef." That's the only acceptable answer. To any question posed by a chef. Right, can you do this? Yes, chef. Immediately. Why didn't you do it five minutes ago? Um, but, I, you know, I think well, that's another thing that changes the dynamic. When the chefs are in our our house, um, they're doing what we tell them to do. Yeah. Um, which could be another a thing another thing about it that makes it interesting. Has a contestant ever stormed off? Just said, this is not for me? Yes. Ooh. Uh, yes, we had a contestant. We used to shoot at a studio in Long Island City, and we were about a block away from the elevated. The subway is elevated at that point in the system. And we had a guy so angry that he was chopped that he rolled up his knives, stormed out the front door. Obviously, our Steadicam followed him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that made I'm sure that made for a great uh, scene in that show. And he got all the way to the train before the producers had talked him down. Um, because after someone is chopped, they go into a series of a couple hours worth of interviews. Okay, and we we use the the producers use the contestants to narrate the show. So we we ask them to speak in present tense and talk, well, I open the basket and I see my nemesis ingredient. You know, uh-huh. white asparagus. Oh no, um, and um, so it, it's a, it's a problem for us if someone leaves prematurely <laughs> like that. <laughs> but they got him back. That must mean. I hope they got them all the way up, going up the subway platform. I, I I'm sure they. Got, <laughs> I, I hope they did too. <laughs> We've made too many episodes for me to have seen them all at this point. I'm really behind. Uh, I hope they're not doing anything terrible with me. Do they? No, nah, not from what I've seen. Do they have? A, is there a consolation prize, or is it just winner take all? Winner take all. And you know, I've I've thought over the years. That ten thousand dollars, you know, it seems like there should be like an inflation factored into this. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, to a lot of people, that's not that much money. Right. But um, chefs actually aren't really paid that well. Uh, I learned to my surprise. Huh. And so, I, you know, listen, if I saw ten thousand bucks on the sidewalk, I wouldn't walk, walk past it. Right. Um, I sent you that great bit I've been doing lately on Chopped. You were kind. That yeah, was yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People can look that up. Um. But uh, have you? Um, I know what I was going to ask you. Do the judges? Do they? How do you find them? I mean, are they just? Be, are there people who say I want to be a judge? On uh, there are, but that won't do it. Um, all of our regular judges are working professional chefs. Uh-huh. Uh, when we started, uh, we start, we our first shooting was in 
God, October of 2008. Uh, we did. None of us really knew each other. I think some of the chefs were certainly were probably aware of one another. Um, I'm sure our casting people were looking for chefs who have a, a really good reputation, mm-hmm. who've been at this for a while. Most of them are. Uh, went to culinary school. Pr- probably most of them went to CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Um, Chris Santos went to Johnson and Wales, another great school in Providence. Um, and that team really hasn't changed much over the years, except for a couple of judges who have peeled off to do other shows on competing networks. And we don't usually keep you around when you do that. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> and then Martha Stewart recently came to us. Uh, from years, she's not technically a chef, but she knows a great deal about food and grows a lot of food and also has llamas and peacocks, which is fun. Because I'd offer to be a, like a celebrity uh, judge, but I'm such a picky eater. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I couldn't even try your food. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a thing. Looks about, nice, but. Uh, I have a friend who refuses to eat mushrooms, which I don't understand. Oh, really? I, I love talking about this shit. Uh, is there a particular texture that you have a problem with? Uh, yeah, because I, I I love talking about food and I talk about it in my act and I love eating out, but I am like kind of a nightmare. I'm not nightmarishly picky, but I like like the worst. Like if someone invited me to their house and said we'll make you dinner, and I didn't know them real well, I would be for a lot of reasons really like panicked. But mainly <laughs> because like I don't want to eat your, those tomatoes. You don't like tomatoes? No, I like them pulverized, like in a in a smooth ketchupy scenario. Or but uh, well, you know what? Uh, this c- occurred to me a little later in my life when I was actually growing tomatoes. You know, nine months out of the year, tomatoes are terrible. They don't. They're not sweet. Right. They're ripened. You know, on the truck. Uh, they're bred to be sturdy rather than tasty. Ugh. And um. When you grow your own tomatoes, they're super, you know, you can grow the delicate, you know, heirloom kinds, whatever. When they're fresh off the vine, they're sweet, packed with sugar. They're sweet. They're juicy. It's a whole different animal from what you get uh, in February, um, you know, at a, at a dining hall or at a college or something. They're just, <laughs> they're just not tasty. Yeah, I tried. I went to Rome once and I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be adventurous. And like if anywhere is, is going to have a good tomato. And it looked really pretty. It was bright and red, and it was. I just couldn't do it. I get it. It's That's a texture what... thing. Is there anything that? What are your? Uh... I'm I'm pretty omnivorous, but um, wh- wh- I'm kind of freaked out by liver. Yeah, I've never. I don't. Even, I've never even tried liver. I don't. I hate the smell of it. My mom used to cook it for my dad, and the, the and it stunk up the house. And um, I like broccoli, but I hate the way it smells. It smells awful. It does smell bad. It smells sulfurous. It does smell bad, but uh, also that's I think raw broccoli is the way to go. You think it's or prob- steamed? It's probably better for you raw, yeah. I would imagine. And then there's cauliflower, which is which is I'm late to the game on cauliflower, but that's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's it's not a, all that assertive, right? And it's uh, but also a little bit. Yeah, you're right. A little of it goes a long way. I just got an email from a friend of mine this morning who just informing me how much he hates tarragon. And uh, to, and and I, I good I'm, morning. You know, tarragon has kind of an anisey flavor, and licorice flavors are are off putting to a lot of people. But it occurred to me that well, okay, if if you like you like tarragon, but you hate I mean you hate tarragon, but you like basil. I mean, basil is also strong, um, kind of sweet. I guess I don't know. It's hard to describe. Um, people have a lot of people have a thing about cilantro. 
I yeah, love- I, I, apparently that hits some people as soap and other people. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I like cilantro. I do too. I mean, I like most things, but um, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny how it happens to you. I, I, I think one reason a lot of people grow up disliking something is because their their parents cooked it wrong. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. I grew up not. I grew up hating beans, and now I really like them. But um, uh, it's not that my mom cooked beans. I'm talking about dried beans. Right, right. It's not that my mom cooked them badly. I just thought that I, they they have a mushiness once you bite into them. And what is it about? What is it about? Like you go to a bad restaurant. I went to one in California a few nights ago. It was one of the worst meals I've had in a long time, and it was just like it was a pesto pasta, like drenched in sauce, slimy, and just like. Isn't it? You can make that somewhat like it seems easy enough to make that edible. Uh, I think it's pretty hard to go wrong with pesto. I mean, yeah, that's you know, oh, pasta well. with pesto, and it, I mean, it's it's a no brainer, really. Well, I could lead you to a place where that uh, is possible to go wrong. Congratulations <laughs> to every once in a while, I'll have a really terrible meal, but I still enjoy the experience because I know why what makes it terrible, uh-huh. and there's something academic about the experience of truly wretched food and knowing what was yeah. wrong with it and um, and knowing never to go there again. Yeah, it's rare, I guess, especially because we live in New York or whatever, that's not, it's pretty good odds you're going to find something good, but... It's such a great food town. But yeah, it's, it, and oftentimes people talk about foods that's terrible, like a Domino's pizza, that, it tastes great, just admit it. it. I love, you know, I used <laughs> to, I, when I was in college, I went through a long period where that was the pizza I ordered. Yeah. I don't know, I'm not really sure why. But we've, but that's one thing. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to leave New York because I love it here so much, and there's so much great food, and I just don't want to. I mean, I, I will say this: that when you're in my line of work, people ask all the time, like, "What are the hot food trends?" Right. And I always say, uh, "Goat meat sweeping the nation," and they usually look a little surprised, and then they realize I'm messing with them. But one thing that is a that that's that I that you could call a trend, but I would argue it's more, it's more, um, it's not ephemeral at all. It's permanent. And that is that more Americans know more about food than, than ever have in history. Uh-huh. And that they're more educated, they're more demanding. Um, and that's the reason why every grocery store in the country sells fresh herbs now. They didn't used to. Every grocery store in the country has a wide selection of olive oils. That was not true in the 70s or 80s right. in this country. And it's because, and I think there also are, you can probably find a good restaurant in almost any city anymore. Thriving restaurant scenes in places like Charleston and Nashville. Right. Um, really exciting restaurant scenes in most American cities, even small ones. I've heard that's also a good way to establish yourself as a chef. Like Rather than deal with the expense of New York, go to Minneapolis or something and really make a splash there it it didn't used to be but it definitely is now uh, i mean in fact the, the restaurant scene in new york i think is in danger because the rents are so absurd and the profit margins in any restaurant are not great you're lucky if you're making 10 percent. you're considered a very successful restaurant at 10 percent. think about how uh all it takes is for the cost of olive oil to spike or uh-huh. you, you know or you lose five percent of your customer base you're in Big trouble. I mean, it's a it's a very very difficult industry that I intend to avoid. <laughs> Never have you thought of opening a restaurant? Um, no, <laughs> I've I've heard enough from people who run multiple restaurants over these years to know how risky and diff- expensive and difficult it is to open a restaurant and to even. I mean, the failure rate is astronomically high. 
I, I have wondered about would it be a good idea for me to open like a brew pub? Um, and then I've been immediately. There's so many easier things you can do. <laughs> Maybe you can lend your name to one. It's sort of it's like, I'd love, like I fantasize, like oh, I'd love to own a restaurant. I go, that would be a, a nightmare. I, you know, I can't keep my desk clean. I'm not going to run a restaurant. Yeah, but like, I just like the idea of like, hey, there's something with a lot of mustard on it. How about a chicken with a lot of mustard? <laughs> Put that on the menu. Yeah, and you know, you'd have a regular booth where you always yeah. hung out and h- held court. Um, I see the stress on the faces of my colleagues. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As they think about you know all the problems that that you can have, and especially no no place worse than New York, it's just I mean the, the costs are crazy. Yeah, I don't understand when I see sometimes these restaurants that seat like seven hundred people, and like man, you're really going for it. Like if you go down, you're going down big. To, uh, totally, and and the other from the other perspective, restaurants that have only thirty seats. Um, I mean, I just don't see how you have enough volume to make it. Um, but, it, you know, it seems to be kind of like a – it's one of those careers that a lot of people it's – the, it's the thing they know how to do, and it's like a calling, and yeah. they they keep going for it. They work a lot. They work a lot of hours. You must get hooked up at restaurants pretty nicely, right? That is the best fringe benefit of <laughs> my job. Yes, I don't have trouble getting a table in restaurants. Um, I have to have somebody else place the call for uh-huh. me because I can't call them up and say – don't you know who I am? Right. Um, the way I do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a nice perk. And, and, and another perk, uh, I remember once uh, my husband Barry and I were flying somewhere. I think it was Italy. And we were seated in coach. And the first class flight attendant w- was walking down the aisle, looked down and saw me and said, oh, no, 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 no. And they, they had space in business or first or whichever it was. And they and they they pulled us up and upgraded oh, us. That was cool. I'm surprised you were flying coach. Uh, hey, it's it's expensive to fly to Italy. You want to spend another $7,000? I mean, I, I actually just, just the other day, I was flying back from Atlanta, and there's something wrong with my plane. So they switched me over to another flight to New York, and they put me in, in a coach, which ticked me off initially, but I, real, I realized – quickly i was lucky to be getting home at all and not or not having to wait for a flight five hours later um and it was fine yeah it It can be fine yeah it's It's, especially a flight that's two and a half three hours i mean if it had been an evening flight when i was planning to get buzzed i would have been annoyed (laughs) do you drink on planes i uh if it's evening yeah yeah um i you know, it's nerve-wracking when you think too much about what a plane is actually doing. Right. And that's why the booze is there. Yeah. Fly, fear of flying is one of those things I don't have, but I totally i am surprised I don't have it. Because when you do think about it, you're like, this is, this is insane what I'm doing right now. It's totally insane. And I don't have a fear of flying either until we hit a bump. And, and you know, I try to I tell myself, look, if you're in a boat and you hit a wave, that doesn't make you nervous. Right. But I also tell myself yeah but if you're in a boat and you run out of gas you're not going to die right <laughs> and yeah. if in a plane you are but then you think wow do i want to take a boat to italy <laughs> I, think I don't think i'll risk this flight yeah are you into the miles thing um i i i am actually me too i've got it's, it's fun <laughs> they hook you they hook you that way yeah but I, but i've actually flown enough in my uh current career that i've actually been able to use those miles uh-huh. to great effect um, and that's exciting. That's always exciting. What's your status? Can we talk about it? I think it's just gold. gold. On oh, which airline? Uh, American. Okay. 
the one that has the most 737 maxes. Oh, my God. They should kick you up to platinum just for that free ad you just did for them. Oh, yeah, true. I mean, well, I, I fly that airline not because of – I mean, they have a lot of old planes, and they've yeah. got a lot of cranky, life, life, lifelong uh, flight attendants, but they're, they just serve the most airports. Right. Um, and you live in New York or Chicago or Dallas, you get used to every flight being a nonstop flight. Um, and I love that. That's another great thing about living here. Do you do a lot of public speaking engagements? Or a like, fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just did one at my alma mater, Purdue University. That's in Indiana, right? It is. Okay. Uh, my mom still lives there north of Indianapolis, so I got a free visit with mom. And Oh, cool. And then I found out that I didn't have to give a speech. It was, in fact, a Q&A, which me- meant I had to do no work at all. Like That'd be like you showing up for a gig and saying, well, Barbara Walters is going to interview you on stage. You don't need to write any jokes. They'll right. just happen. Yeah, that, although that would probably terrify me. That D- specific example you gave uh, well, still yes. Because can, can I ask you about your craft? Sure. Like, I mean, do you, obviously you have to write all the time. Do, um, supposed to, but yeah, you're supposed to. I mean, I guess, like, what 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 does a comedian do when you're when you, you're not you can't think of anything funny? Uh, you do the same jokes you did the night before. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, you can get caught up in that. Like, you could you could, it's pretty easy to coast and like have some jokes and do them for years and years and years. But now with Netflix and internet and YouTube, people are a little more on it. Like, hey, well, we heard this. Song. I saw this on YouTube. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. There's a lot of people who haven't seen it, but yeah. So it's like, I. Uh, what was your original question? It was I was, t- I was talking about your creative process. Like, oh yeah. What do you do when you can't think of something funny? I go through that all the time. I mean, I don't even I don't even say I have writer's blog. It's just happens so often that I just like I just slowly think of things and then I work them out on stage. I don't do a lot of writing, writing like sitting and writing something on a pad. Although, you must have to have a good memory to do um, comedy. I have a pretty good memory for memorizing like a list of jokes to do. And then I stray from it when I get bored with myself. Okay. Which is pretty often. But I mean, other comics sit down every day and write for two hours, like on a, on a legal pad or whatever. But I try to do that. And I probably, it would probably be benefit me to do that. But I do a lot. I do the most of it thinking of it and then just diving into it on stage. That's, I, I have a lot of admiration for, for people who can do that. Yeah. You're but, naked up there. Yeah, man. Right, it's not like hosting Chopped. No, no. Uh, listen, it's it's true. I, I, I was talking to somebody about acting the other day, which I don't know how to do at all. Uh-huh. We shot some promos for the show where I did have to. I had to memorize lines. I had to. I had to do blocking. I had to walk from A to B, and then fall down on my knees to pluck something from a bush. Put it in a bag, stand back up, and walk off. That sounds really easy, right? And for me, I, I mean, I did at least twelve takes of that, just trying to get the timing right. That's the hardest part: is the like you're not sure. Like, I got that right. No, you got to do it again. Okay, I got it this time right. Yeah, it was good, but we're gonna do another. And you're like, I mean, then I get like, I have to really calm myself down because I don't, op- the open endedness of acting is a little frustrating. Yeah, and then and then you feel like you've screwed it up and you're going to keep screwing it up and you're embarrassed right. and your face starts to flush. Or you don't know what you did wrong. Like it's like it could be a thing where the camera person did something wrong and you're like but you don't know. Um how often do you eat out? Not that much. Really? No, not that much. People are always asking me for restaurant recommendations and I just send them to the New York, to the New York Times or New York Magazine. Um we have some good restaurants in the neighborhood. Uh, we j- actually just ate last night at uh, 
God, they just changed the name of it. It used to be called the Smoke Joint. I had short ribs. I had a really delicious polenta with cheddar in it. Some great, actually we had broccoli and we had um, um, Brussels sprouts that had been really browned. Oh, those are good. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Brussels sprouts are like, that's that falls into the category of food that people would be surprised that I like if they knew me. But I do like them. I'm a little surprised if, you, if you're picky, as you say. But uh, it is true that it's that I think people have figured out that they're much better yeah. if you brown them. Right. Flash a, fry those with a little balsamic vinegar. Right. It ain't like grandma made. Actually, balsamic vinegar is something that I like but I'm currently sick of. Yeah. It's kind of everywhere. And I'd rather just have red wine vinegar. Or... So you cook at home? I, I do. Yeah. I cook a lot. Wow. Lots of soups and stews and... Um, and beans, simple things. I like things that take forever to cook, ironically enough. I'm not a stir-fry guy. Really? No. You have a, I bet you have an amazing kitchen. I do have an amazing kitchen. Uh, and, it, and it fronts onto, or it's at the back of the house, and out there there's a screen porch, and behind that there's a gas grill and, oh a, and a charcoal grill. Um, uh, it's it's a great place to work. We designed the kitchen to be a place where like three people can be cooking at once, and uh, obviously most people in New York don't have that space. So we we know how fortunate we are. So you can be in a fight and still cook. Yeah, yeah. Make, I'm going to make my own dinner tonight. Yeah, you make it. <laughs> You're thirty feet away from here. It's fine. It worked out great when I was doing uh, my second cookbook. We had a bunch of people testing recipes. I remember the day we were the the week we spent photographing the food um, in the backyard. We had like three people cooking away and photographers shooting in the back and it was, they destroyed the kitchen. Destroyed. <laughs> do um, you, um, how do you feel about solo dining? Which I do 15 times a week, maybe, at I, minimum. I I love solo dining. I do it a fair bit myself. Do you? Um, I like, rest, when I'm doing it, I prefer to eat at a bar. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think there's any shame in solo dining. No. You know, they say, you know, sooner or later, I mean, we all end up alone. Oh, man. Yeah. Why not be eating at a bar when you're doing it? I mean, I think the whatever silly stigma there ever was to that is, is, is gone now. I think especially in New York. New York, you could go to a steakhouse where dinners are $300 and there's a dude in a suit sitting there by himself with a bib on. Mm -hmm. Just going to town. But uh, so how you do eat by yourself. I do eat by myself, yeah. Where do you do that? Like, do you have any places? I guess you don't want to reveal where you eat. Well, I, I don't mind that. It just kind of it just depends on where I am. But I mean, think about when you're traveling. I'm often traveling alone. Yeah. Um, you're probably often traveling alone, unless yeah. you have like a brain trust that travels with you. No, no. I try. I try to avoid hotel restaurants. I find them depressing. I think that's generally a pretty good policy. They're there because they have to be. Right. Uh, I do have some friends that have really, really good hotel restaurants. Jeffrey Zakarian has a restaurant in the Chatwall Hotel here at the Lambs Club that is very much a very serious restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I, I have been in some good ones as well. Do you um, so you eat alone? Do, 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 what was I going to ask you? Oh, do you think there's a cap on how good food can be? Ah. I was having this conversation with someone recently. Um. I mean, I guess I guess it depends on how you're defining good. There certainly are, you know, you can have a great hamburger and you can have a great multi-course tasting dinner at yeah. Le, Le Bernardin um, that costs you thousand dollars a person once you, once the wine is factored in. Um, 
I mean, for the most part, I, I think, and most chefs would probably tell you that if you're, well, all they really want is something that's delicious. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be gorgeous. It can be a, a great bowl of chili. It just needs to be salted, seasoned correctly. It needs to have the right amount of, you know, it needs to have a little bit of kick, not an excessive kick. Um, I like to have cornbread with my chili. Oh, man. And a salad. I, th- this started with me when I was in college here, and I used to go to the Ear Inn. Okay, on Spring Street. Yeah, on Spring Street, which is great. It's still there. And I would get, uh, they might have offered chili in a combo with a salad. I'm not sure. But I, I, grew to the, I grew to really like chili, cornbread, and salad with blue cheese dressing on it. Oh, man. You know it's good chili? Veselka? Oh, you know, I used to live a block away from the Veselka. Did you really? But I never ordered the chili. Where did you live, if I may ask? Because I, I lived right near there. I lived in an NYU dorm. Okay. The one with the arc on the top. Okay. At the corner of 3rd Avenue and 9th Street. Oh, man. Uh, for my first year in New York, I... Dad wanted me to live in a in university housing for the first year, and I don't blame him. So you went to NYU and Purdue. I went to NYU for a master's degree. What's your master's in? Uh, journalism, oh, okay. science writing. Oh wow! I do. I don't do much of that uh, now. So actually. you must look at recipes in a little different way, right? You know, I really just wanted that extra something tacked onto my degree to make me stand out a little bit, um, and I was interested in environmental stuff at the time. I didn't really end up using a lot of the science, um, so I probably look at the recipes pretty much the same way anyone does. Uh, I think he'd understand like how ceviche works or something. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot to. I I do like to tinker with recipes. I usually put my little spin on things that I make, but I cook for books all the time. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a cookbook shop in my neighborhood, which I've never set foot in. Is that the one that just sells cookbooks? Yeah, it just has a sign outside that says cookbooks. I think it's called Kitchen Arts and Letters. Oh, I don't know, but I, I, I'd like to go in there, but then I'd be like, I'm not going to cook. So then I would. Yeah, so you don't cook much? I, I, I just moved into a bigger apartment, and I have an open kitchen, but I have a, a kitten, and she, she's insane, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize what I was getting into when I got that. Um, you so don't... she jumps on the counters a lot. Oh uh, yeah, and I'm using that as an excuse. Like when I didn't have her, I didn't cook either. So at some, but now I'm like, I'd be cooking some really great shit if it wasn't for this kitten. Uh, our cats do that too, and we tried to train them. Not, like we have three Maine Coon cats, they're, so that means they're huge. Uh-huh. Uh, the two boys are almost twenty pounds apiece. Oh my god, they're giant. It's it's really funny when mail uh, delivery people come into the house and they look down and say, "What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> I can't be a cat. Um, so they jump on the counters and then you, yeah, I, I've sort of surrendered a little bit. We don't have a choice at this point and we just clean the counter a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to like get it. I'm not going to, cause I got that sticky tape and it's like, well, <sighs> she's going to look at that and go, Oh, you didn't put it here though. And then I'm going to walk on that part where you didn't put, but they're very smart. <laughs> they're really smart and they, they break, they wear you down. Um, they're, they're sweet. They get hair everywhere. We got all my clothes have hair all over them. What would be the bare minimum that I need if I want to start cooking, like supplies? Uh, well, you know, um, pr- you know, a frying pan, a okay. spatula, right. a plate, fork, and a knife. I mean, a lot of people. Uh, that was when, a dumb when, question. I realized. Uh, not, a, not, but not really. It leads to something interesting. I think um, a lot of chefs, a lot of chefs, when they're considering hiring another sh- a cook, what they'll ask them to do is cook an egg. Oh, uh-huh. because. Cook. There are lots of ways to cook an egg, but to, I think it's they want them to make an omelet. There's a lot of technique to making an omelet correctly. 
and just watching someone do it right in front of you can reveal a lot about their skill or lack thereof. Huh. Um, so may I, so if, if we had a hot plate here and now, we could, I'd, I'd probably ask you to make me an omelet. Rachel, our engineer, you don't have a hot plate ready to go? Rachel went to the chopped set once, by the way. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. Um, we had an event there, uh, and so we got to go to the, the set, and we were just walking around. And they had the real baskets and the fake baskets out. Well, we have two different sizes, at least, um, of baskets, depending on you know how big the stuff is that has to go into it. Um, there's a lot, uh, and it, none of it's interesting, but there's so much going on behind the scenes at, a, at, a, at an operation like that. How long does it take to film a whole episode? It takes about an 11-hour day. Wow. It used to be more like 12. And, uh, I mean, when we started, God, they, they were, I mean, we were shooting till 9 o'clock. We, st- we start about 8 in the morning and finish around 6 these days. Are you in production now? We are, yes. Oh. Going back in on Monday. Oh. Uh, actually, going back in on Monday to Chopped Junior. We're going we're gonna to shoot some episodes with the kids again, oh. which is fun <laughs> for me because I don't have to, hang out with their parents all day and the the parents are locked in a room far far away with a monitor not the and so if if a kid breaks down in tears we will let the the parents come and comfort them are they like stage mothers for little future chefs uh yes there are definitely (laughs) are um our our casting team is pretty good at ferreting them out but i'm always suspicious when a kid walks on set wearing a fedora and suspend like blue suspenders yeah. i can see the mom backstage uh, uh, back at the house you know saying like you need to make yourself stand out show some pizzazz i hate precocious kids well like when they're like hi how are you i'm very nice. I'm like come on you're eight you should be awkward and uncomfortable totally and that's one of the one of the <laughs> one of the few negative things about new york i remember once i was in a wine shop and i overheard a 15 year old discussing the merits of beaujolais and i thought yeah you're why <laughs> first he was probably wrong and just kind of like it's just like one there's a technique of sauce making called a reduction which uh-huh. is where you take a liquid and you simmer it until the until the, the water a lot of some of the water leaves it and it's more intense in flavor right. the kid cooks are always they call every sauce a reduction whether they've reduced oh, it's anything, the one word they've learned or something? yeah they've learned it from us and uh, or someone like us and they Call every sauce a reduction, even if it's like a you know a Bernays sauce, which isn't a reduction, or you know, or ketchup. I don't think it's a reduction. <laughs> I'm making a peanut butter sandwich on Ritz crackers with a reduction of jelly on it, it, it as well. Indeed, exactly. <laughs> and there might be some reducing involved in the making of jelly. I don't know, but still, it's jelly. That's what it is. Wow, that's interesting. Like the idea that there's like some mother or father yelling, "Honey, you're gonna make an omelet today." <laughs> I'm seven years old. Uh, but a lot of kids do. I mean, I loved to cook when I was yeah. a kid. It started with, you know, cake mixes out of a box and, and pizza and doctoring up hamburgers. Do you remember that show Zoom? I do remember the show I remember Zoom. I remember I ordered. <laughs> I remember um, I ordered a recipe for making your own pretzels. And I remember it came like three months after I asked for it. But I do. I think I ended up making my own pretzels. It's, I was just thinking was, about that show. How were your pretzels? Did they come out all right? Oh, they're, they're just like going to Berlin or something. I don't know where they make good pretzels. Bavaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they were okay. I don't know. I don't. It was. It was quite some time ago. Yeah. I. I, I didn't. I, was that a national show? It must have been. I mean, this is. This must have been. Either I watched it in Florida when I lived there, or even before that when I was living in New York. 
as a kid. Oh. Uh, but oh yeah. That was a cool show. I just remember we're going to zoom a zoom a zoom a zoom. A zoom a zoom a zoom. Uh, the show I liked even better was a show called Hot Dog. Hot Dog. And I don't know why it was called Hot Dog because what what it was was tours of different kinds of factories. Uh-huh. And maybe it started with the, the a, a show about how they make hot dogs, which I'm not sure we want to know. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was interesting, just seeing the process of things. Isn't there isn't there another show? Doesn't, I thought there was a Food Network show about that. But. There probably is. Do you did you ever go through a vegetarian phase? Nope. Okay, that was easy. Yep. No, I, I uh, respect people who do that. I can completely understand uh, having issues with having something killed for your dining pleasure. Uh, and I have some fr- I have several friends who are vegetarians, and whenever they're also coming to the dinner party, that screws everything up. <laughs> but I, you know, I've also been to dinner at a vegetarian's house, and the things that she could do with food without resorting to meat were really it was a real eye opener for me. I had vegan talented. Szechuan food the other day. Vegan Szechuan. There's yeah, a there's a place no... in the East Village that I it's a vegan Szechuan restaurant. Well, there's no reason you couldn't do that. Yeah. Was there what was the protein source, do you know? It was just it was a choice of either tofu or vegetables. Hmm. So they just basically left out the meat option and then made everything else the way it's normally made. Yeah, and then you know if you fill up on noodles and you're good to go. Yeah. Do you um Oh, I know I was going to ask you if if you are let's say you're on a road trip and you're on the highway, and you see that sign that says the upcoming fast food restaurants. Which would most excite you? Like, what would be the one that you would be looking for? Yeah, you know, in in, in the states, you don't have any other option uh-huh. when you're on the highway. You've got it. That's all there is. Uh, I I actually really like Wendy's. Do you? Yeah, I, um, ketchup, mustard, onion, pickle, uh-huh. um, and cheese. Usually not a double. Wendy's single is fine for me. Yeah, it's a pretty thick one. I don't have a giant appetite. Um, I, I don't eat large volumes of things, which no? the older I get, the happier I am about it. Um, Do you eat before you go to bed? I did the other day, and I felt it. I, I, I had a conflict. in the. I had to do something in the evening, and I had a half-hour window to order room service, and I ate a steak, and then I went to bed, and that was kind of... <laughs> uh, the next morning, it felt a little weird, but um, nothing serious. Do you do room service a lot? Because I almost never do it. Uh, I... Do it when partly because yeah I do use it a fair bit when I'm traveling it's it's um rarely good and always expensive yeah it's like I mean there's like service charge then the tip then the additional tip and it's like I you know I want to be good to these people but it's we're looking at fifty five dollars for a cheeseburger um yeah it's it's a little ridiculous but also it uh. The last I just got back from a business trip, I was in Atlanta, and there just wasn't anything around me right. um, by way of an option. So I did. I used room service a couple times there. And the, oh, actually, though, uh, one day I kind of just wanted something really simple, and there was a Whole Foods th- across the street, and I went and got a sandwich and a bag of chips. <laughs> oh, you know, chips are the best, aren't um, they? I'm. Uh, that's uh, yeah. That's gonna, that's chips, cheese, and beer are my problems. Oh, you like beer? I'm not a big beer guy. Yeah. Um, so when you serve, when you have a dinner party, because do you just say this is what we're eating, or do you go here? You can have this, you can have that. Like, do you make it? I'm just thinking the way I would want it if I went to someone's house for dinner. I'd be like, can I just pick what I want to eat without being a fuck? You know, I, I actually I know how you feel because uh, our, our when I have lunch uh, when we're in production, I love they. There's always a sort of a choice. There's a bu- uh, there's like a buffet. Yeah, and those steam tables. <laughs> 
and it's and it really is pretty good. And I love not having to to just choose. Um, I mean, I have to choose from right. what's on the buffet, but there's usually enough range, yeah. and it changes each day which things they're offering. So um, I can keep my brain shut off the way it was and not have to think. I think uh, but what, I usually just, I mean, I'll, I'll find out if anybody has dietary issues or something, but I usually cook what I want to cook. Okay. Sorry. No. I could take, but yeah, since you're picky, before you come over, I'm going to find out yeah. what you like. <laughs> That's the problem, because if, if, not that people invite me, I mean, I can't remember the last time they invited me to, for dinner, but yeah, I the, wonder why. I know. I, 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 yeah, especially. <laughs> There's that guy that comes over and hates us. <laughs> There's a guy who faxes over a list of things we can't make. But yeah, because it is kind of, it's, it, I do remember situations when I was younger and then the, friend's mom would make something like oh man oh true and by by the way isn't it how funny is it that faxes are obsolete now i know they're good for jokes still oh really well just saying i mean it was extra funny that i said fax in that uh last comment i made (laughs) oh or maybe it wasn't they used to come on that ridiculous floppy rolled up paper yeah and and they still have fax machines i I remember that one of the few things about getting older that is that i appreciate is that you were there when Watergate happened. You know how it yeah. felt. You know details of it. You know how you know scary it was. Someday we're going to say, yeah, I lived through Trump, man. That was crazy. Right. Hopefully things will get back to normal someday. Uh, but I kind of, I'm, I find it kind of cool that I remember how excited every was, everybody was about a restaurant that you could fax your order to. <laughs> you know, and I and that, that was like a thing. I'm going to fax my lunch order over right. to... Johnson's luncheonette. And now you I'm order like, seamless. You're like, why is this taking 40 minutes? Exactly. <laughs> this phone that I ordered from my phone. Yeah. And, and that's some, going to be delivered right to my face. And some group of scumbag venture capitalists invent this app, seamless thing, that enables them to take 30% off the top. Oh, really? From re- from an industry that only makes 10% profit. <laughs> uh, but it's so darn convenient. And why is it that it's... If you think it through, I mean, it's not really that hard to call a restaurant and say, yeah, I want a pizza with I know, pepperoni. but no, no one wants to talk to anyone anymore. No, I, and I'm one of those people. I don't want to talk to anybody either. Right. But um, yeah, just another reason not to get into the restaurant business. Here's the food I love, Japanese curry. I have never had a Seriously? Japanese That is Is that a thing? Oh, God. Really? Is there a- Highly rec. I could tell you restaurants to go to. No kidding. Yeah, you've never had Oh, my God. I, that's a that's, yeah, that's a, a real thing. thing yeah is it uh is there a name that's associated with that that you'd see on is like japanese curry house or um well it's i yak- mean there's yeah some of them have it right in the name hmm. i could give you three names if you want i'd love that um I, i've never had that uh, have you been to japan I have, but it was only for three days because I I, I had to be on something important like Good Morning America yeah. or something, and so there was no option to stay. Super frustrating. Was that a so you said I'm going to take a three day fun trip? To- no, I would not do that. Yeah. Uh, I had a gig. Uh, we were shoot. I, I shot a pilot for another game show, and the reason we went to Tokyo was there was the set was already built. Uh, it was going to be a show called You Versus America, and there already was a game show called You Versus Japan. Uh-huh. And so they, it was cheaper for them to fly me to Tokyo than it would be to build a set in L.A. 
Uh, and I was all for it because I, I I would love to spend. I'm fascinated. I love Japanese food and culture. Yeah. I, it's a they're very diff. It's a very I like to travel to places that are radically different yeah. from our place. I went to Tokyo once. It was I loved it. It's uh, you know I I had one free day and I did um, I kicked I conquered jet lag, which uh, by by the following technique Ooh. I used I used I used a, a very well known sleep medication. Uh, Ambien that, that puts you out for about six hours, but I didn't take it right away. I let myself. I stayed up as late as possible, made it to about nine p.m., fell asleep naturally, and kept the Ambien on the bedside table, knowing that I would inevitably wake up. This through- is is once you landed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, I don't remember whether I slept on the plane, but I took the Ambien, went back to sleep, slept through the night, got up at a normal hour, and had a had a good day. Wow. Coming back, I don't think I was able to pull that off. It's harder, I think, coming back. Yeah, jet lag's a, it's weird. It's, it's very frustrating. Do you ever go to Australia? I've been once for a week, which is also <laughs> too short for traveling to the other side of the world. Thailand, th- Thailand, 15 minutes I spent in Thailand. <laughs> I did actually have a... No, after I went to... Uh, uh, no, no, I had a week in Australia. I was there with a, cl- uh, a clothing company. They... Um, Took me so I was I landed in Sydney, and some kind of fashion show happened, and then they took us out to the to to the sheep farms to show us the fine quality wool that they raise. Oh wow! It was kind of it was really interesting actually. We ate kangaroo. Oh, it, it's not great. They just have a lot of it, you know, so they cook it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been to Thailand. Amazing food. Vietnam. Amazing food. Oh my god! I think I'm going to Thailand to do a show. Totally recommend it. Yeah, I'm excited. Does your comedy transcend geographic boundaries? Well, I speak Thai. No, I don't. <laughs> I, uh, uh, well, this would be expats, so it wouldn't be. I don't think it'd be people who don't speak English, because in which case it'd be a uh, it'd be rough going. Yeah, that'd be something. That would be impressive. So it's it's English speaking people over there, and yeah, a lot of like I'm doing a European tour coming up, and going to Prague. Ooh. Yeah. Have you been to Prague? I've been there, yes. Beautiful. It's beautiful, right? Great place. I don't know anything about Prague. Um, it's a great old city. There's a, I can't remember the name of the hotel we stayed in, but it was really great modern place in the old Jewish quarter uh-huh. um, and next near everything. Um, if you can, I, I know you're probably bouncing from city to city quickly. I'm if, two nights in Prague just hanging out. I that's, mean, two nights, one night working, yeah. I try to space. I don't like to do a punk rock style i hate abrupt travel yeah especially if i'm going to prague i don't want to be like i'm going to prague for three hours and then jump on a plane i mean if you've got a couple of days i think you're gonna love it i mean that's that's time to see several things yeah um what can we talk about before you go huh what where are you eating tonight are you making something where am i eating tonight okay so one of the things I really love about social media, uh, and I've alluded to this, is that it, it has allowed me to, you can get in touch personally with any almost anybody right? Uh, if they choose to read That's their That's how I got you on the show. That is how you got me on the show. That's how I, uh, that is, I've made friends with a bunch of 
rock musicians that I dig. Uh-huh. And one of those is a, um, the members of a band called Guster. They, oh, I, I know that. Ryan, is that guy? Yeah, there's a Ryan. Yeah, I've met him before. In it, and a, a Ryan is the lead singer, and the there's the drummer's name. For some reason, I'm always hooking, hooking up with drummers. Uh, Brian uh, Rosenworcel. Turns out he lives two blocks away from me in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. And he, and Guster just played the Beacon Theater. They killed. They were great. Uh-huh. Uh, they played forever. Uh, and they're they're an ex- they're a band from Boston. They've been together for 26 years. That none of them has ever held an ordinary job, uh, and they've made money. And they've uh, and they're they're critically acclaimed. They're a really good live band. They sold out the Beacon, which is a pretty big theater. Anyway, uh, because I'm friendly with them, their uh, drummer invited me over to a Seder tonight. Not a religious expression, but really just a community thing. Uh, so we're going to uh, the drummer of Guster's house tonight for dinner. Wow. Which will be fun. And I'm supposed to bring something. He said, yeah, bring something green. And I don't know what that, I mean, uh, salad? I, what do you mean by that? But uh, I've got to come up with something. i got a couple hours. <laughs> you paint a steak green or something. That's genius. Uh, that is genius. Um, how do you, you like the new Queer guys? They're doing a good job, right? Yeah, they're doing a great job. I don't know if you know this, but the guy who's doing the food and wine, yeah. Anthony Porowski, actually worked for me. You discovered him, right? I mean, I, I you know, uh, yeah, I guess, well, kind of. Anthony was an aspiring actor, and um, so he had to have some kind of cush job with flexible hours, uh-huh. and uh, he lived across the street from us, so we th- thought, why not? And then when Queer Eye called me and told me they were going to reboot and they were auditioning, Anthony wanted to go for it. So I sent his stuff to the producer, and the response was, yowza, because Anthony's a really good-looking boy. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing things a little differently than we did. I think they're more interested in we, – we, first of all, they don't destroy the house. Which uh, which was the fun part, yeah. And that's where you find the weed and the snug fit condoms and the <laughs> unusual porn, um, which we found in almost every guy's house. Shocker! Um, everybody, even people who didn't really do drugs, had some drugs uh-huh. often in the freezer. Um, these guys, I think, are more about. Uh, making emotional connections and get, giving people a chance to sort of get the tears out, and we were more, it, it, we were different. Any any cast would be, right? Actually, but I think it's I, I never would have thought they were going to reboot that show. It had a, actually a relatively short run. It ran for, it was popular, really popular for about a year, and started to tail off. We had a hundred episodes, um, and things are different for LGBTQ people now than they were 15 years ago when, uh-huh. when we did it the first time. But that doesn't mean that that the, all the issues have been resolved right. in this culture. So, and there there's a voracious appetite for it. More power to them. Do you keep in touch with the other guys? I, I do, particularly Jay and uh, Tom, Jay Rodriguez and Tom Felicia. Jay, was he the which which? He was the culture. Culture, guy. yeah, yeah. Problematic. Um, that was the producer's fault. That's a problematic category, but he did his best. Yeah, I noticed the new guy. They kind of. It seems to be a very loose sort of like he'll just give. Hey, you should you should get out of your comfort zone. I don't know yeah, if that's yeah. culture, but yeah, I mean that's nice advice. Exactly. <laughs> I I mean I remember poor Jay like instructing people on how to you know make eye contact with their <laughs> girlfriend and uh, like I don't I mean that, that, look towards her eyes. Yeah, they're right, you know where they are. You just. Uh, um, 
that was a t- I had the best category by far. Yeah. The worst one is the interior design category because you can't fake it. You have to paint the room. You right. have to get a television on the wall. You have to do all this work. All I had to do was buy a bottle of champagne. You know, like I'll show you the three types of champagne or send you out for lobster or show you how to, you know, grill a steak. It was really fun and easy and also one of the things I love about food generally is there's just such an extraordinary variety of it uh-huh. that you're never going to taste everything and it's and and it's so interesting the way different people prepare their food and there are so many countries that where cooking is so revered and done so well Mexico at the oh, top yeah. of the list a place that just does there are so many different kinds I of went Mexican to Oaxaca cooking. not too long ago oh well I've been there too oh my you, god the mole oh my god so yeah. delicious um do you have anything you want to plug before we go uh, you know, not really. I mean, I, I, I was I was afraid you were going to ask, are you up to anything new? No, I'm up to the same thing I've been doing oh, for man. a decade. I'm not going to air this episode. <laughs> but, and, and, I, and I went through this period of get, thinking, wow, I've been doing the same thing for an awfully long time. And then I sort of graduated to realizing, look, there aren't that many TV shows that last this long. And we've kept the quality up and the energy up. And we go to work every day. You know, I'm, I get a little tired of standing up all day, but uh-huh. we still have the energy and the passion to get it right and do it right. And and the thing about Chopped is that there's, even though the f- structure is always basically the same, we get we still get surprised all the time. Right. Stuff comes up that you would never anticipate and we have to resolve it one so way or another. So you stand there the whole time. You don't go like, oh. I'm gonna... Turns out there's a law that the host of game shows must be standing. Oh, really? Apparently. Okay. Uh, but I, when you think about it, I can't think of any game show hosts that have a chair. I ask every Every season, when we start up again, I'm like, um, I have a question. Can I have a chair now? I think it's good to have one person standing. I, I have a gel pad, you know, like you would have if you worked in one of those booths uh, uh-huh. collecting tolls. Oh. Actually, those people probably have a union and a, and a chair. Um, I have a union. It hasn't done a lot for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you know what? I'm grateful to be where I am. It's fun. I love my coworkers. Um, cool. And I learn a lot from them. And I, you know, it, it's just the thing about, you know, you, when Linda invented Chopped, it, it, a lot of other TV show makers were really envious and wanted to try to steal the, 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 steal the format because Chopped is unique among uh, culinary competition shows in that you get your resolution within one hour. Right. And it's and, and you can air them in any order you want. Many other TV shows, there's a 15-episode arc across which people are getting eliminated as they go, but you don't get the real payoff until unless you stick with it till episode 16. Yeah. Um, ours is a one-off. And but I but I think the craft of cooking is uniquely suited to, to that. I haven't seen anybody rip off our our, our gig yet. Um just the fact that there are limitless things to cook and limitless ways to do it and all sorts of themes you can impose on things. We have a barbecue tournament. I mean, you know, stuff that people really love. And um, When do you so, film next? Monday morning. Oh, shit. <laughs> I got a couple more days of freedom. Um, and, we, and we'll be going through early July. Oh, great. Um, but I, you know what? We, uh, it's a pretty humane operation. We get weeks off. We, you know, it's... Yeah. I, <laughs> I wasn't worried you were being abused over there. Yeah, no. <laughs> poor guy has those chops. Oh my god! Broken. Yeah, <laughs> it's air conditioned. We have a roof over our heads. Probably didn't get paid or anything. No. Oh. Well, it's, thanks for being here, Ted. Hey, Todd. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, did I just cut you off? 
Uh, no, I was hoping you, we could stop soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> now I'm insulted. I'm just, right. No, I'm just kidding. This All is right. great. It's great to be with you. Thanks a lot. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. We're back, everyone. Thank you to Ted Allen. Ted stayed a little longer than usual than most guests do. I kept it going. You know, it doesn't have to just be an hour on the dot. It can be an hour and ten sometimes. Why not? We had a lot to talk about. Food is a very big, open-ended subject. Anyway, you can find this podcast and other podcasts at starburns.audio. And check us out next week, all right? Thank you. Starburns Audio, a a podcast network.